0: You are listening to Riddled Eve, Season 1, Book 2. This episode was written by Craig Vilbig and narrated
1: by Jordan Fitzgerald. Chapter 7. Empathy. The sleeping arrangements in the underground were far from ideal. It wasn't exactly the fact that there was very little privacy or the fact that cots were never comfortable. No, the least ideal piece was how cold the room stayed at all times. The cement walls kept the temperature down which might have been nice in the summer but most definitely not in early january but the strangest thing was that it was january yet there was no snow actually there was very little weather whatsoever no rain no sun just an ashen sky no one else seemed to notice it or talk about it at least april didn't quite know what to make of it so she awkwardly pulled her thick down blanket over her shoulders with one hand she sat on her bunk not yet tired enough to sleep her hands were cold too but she didn't want to tuck them under the blanket because she'd rather let her fingers freeze instead of not reading. Sure, it may not be that exciting of a book, but there was nothing else to do. All that remained for entertainment was physical, printed material, and that could only be enjoyed when it was light out. She felt a growing frustration. Several times, she had asked Charlie or Corellia if they wanted any help, but they never gave her anything useful to do. They didn't trust her, which was arguably understandable due to her age, but the boredom still frustrated her. April, the other woman's sharp voice, jerked her from the book. She pulled her bookmark out of the back of the book and marked her place, all the while looking at Corellia. She was someone that April hadn't figured out yet, very driven, very outspoken, but very respectful to those who she considered to be in a higher position than she was. When April had first seen her, she thought that the older woman's hair was beginning to gray, but it was really just dyed with silver streaks. Corelia did, however, have a face that was beginning to show wrinkles, especially where she scowled. She scowled far too much considering how pleasant she was to be around. I want to ask you a personal question. She then sat down on the hard pavement, crossing her legs. The hard and cold cement did not seem to bother her the way that it did April. Corellia donned a fake smile, and April shifted on the cot with her own less-defined scowl, placing the book next to her and sliding her hands under the blanket. If she were to have a full conversation, she might as well use the opportunity to warm them. "'Yes?' she asked placidly. From the brief experiences that she had with Corellia, she expected very little preamble, and indeed all she got was a brief pause before the other woman spoke curtly. "'Have you seen the woman in white?' April's skin crawled. She had no reason to lie, except that if she were wrong about who Corellia must mean, it could be embarrassing. She remained silent, which was no issue as steam steamrolled over her. We're finding that some of us, those who have seen her, have otherwise unexplainable powers. Powers? April asked. What sort of powers? Something was beginning to click for her. If she had a power related to darkness and empathy, as the woman in white had said, Did that mean that she could communicate with the Shadow Wolves? And was that why they, in large part, ignored her? And was lacking that connection, the driving force for those who wanted to kill them? It would make some small amount of sense. I can tell when there's blood near, for instance. I have a heightened sense of smell. She then repeated her question. Have you seen the woman in white? April heaved a sigh. I have, but I don't know of any powers. She spoke softly so as not to be overheard. The other woman nodded to herself. That's not the first time I've heard that today. Perhaps you do have a power, but it has yet to manifest. She opened a small notebook and pulled a pen from within its spine. She opened the book, and April stole a glance at its contents. It was a list of names with a two-word notation next to each, and, in a few cases, a few additional notes. What did she say to you? Corellia jotted down April's name and then looked to her with eyes that bore sharply. April found herself wanting to tell this woman everything, and not from a warm, loving feeling, nor from a sense of friendliness, but from a sense of demand. Darkness and empathy, she found herself voicing. Corelia looked down to the book and wrote those words next to April's name. She then closed the book and looked April in the eyes again. I have been charged to find these powers, help test their limits, and form a strategy with them. They will be invaluable in our fight against the Shadow Wolves. April was taken aback by this sudden exposition. In a few days, I will begin with those who have experienced their powers already. Then I'll figure out a way to make those who have yet to manifest show their powers. Fight the Wolves? That was all April could think to respond with. April actually liked the Shadow Wolves. They may have come with the destruction of the world, but were they the cause? There is no way to know. Corellia regarded her for a second before noting, Well, I was about your age when I joined the fight for freedom. This fight is much grittier and dire than the one I joined a decade ago, but maybe that's just because it's on our home turf. April, it's time to fight back. It's time for a resistance. We're the last hope of humankind. We're all that remains. We're the resistance and those shadows must die. Frillia was standing again, ready for action. She visibly calmed herself, then said curtly, We can win, but only if we're smart about it. Don't worry, these powers will give us the needed edge. And with that, she headed to the next cot in the row to have, likely, the same conversation. April knew that she wouldn't be able to concentrate on the book again, so placed it off to the side of her cot. It was getting a little late, so she decided to try to get some sleep. Lying down and adjusting both herself and the blanket for comfort, her mind raced. Why should there have to be more killing? It wasn't right to kill people or animals. After a while of trying to sleep, she gave up, realizing that she was far from drifting off. She sat back up and looked around. Most everyone was asleep by now, but she knew she wouldn't be able to. There was a thunder inside her preventing it. So she did what had helped her so much in the past. She laid the blankets down, slipped her sneakers on, grabbed her jacket, and walked outside. A night stroll was just what she needed. April exhaled deeply, testing if it was cold enough to see her breath. A plume of water vapor fogged out and curled. This coolness always drove her focus, and the time before dawn had always been the best time for her to collect her thoughts. That was when she felt most connected with Jason. She had now spent almost a week with the underground, and had asked everyone if they knew Chloe. There was a resounding no. All of her efforts thus far had been fruitless. Dane and Corellia had both been terse, and Jackson hadn't seemed all there. Chris scared her. Well, not scared precisely. She just avoided him, carefully. He had leered at her more than once, despite the disparity in age. Her only real friend there was Charlie. No, Chloe was nowhere to be found so far. She toyed with her fingers on the pendant that she had taken to wearing. Weeks of searching had turned up empty. What was the next move? Staying with the underground was likely the best bet. Such a place would likely draw in more survivors over time. There was, however, a growing sense of an edge to the underground. Corellia was even speaking of it as a resistance. She didn't really know what they were resisting. Even if she did, she doubted that such a massive amount of destruction could be resisted. Dane was kind to her, too. He had been the one to help bring Jason down the stairs into April's sleeping area. Charlie and Dane were about the only friendly faces in the underground, and Adam, but he was always too engrossed in his affairs to take notice of April. She shivered and zipped up her jacket. She may have liked the cold, but that didn't mean that she wanted to freeze. The moon was obscured by clouds, but it looked bright enough to be close to full. She tucked the pendant into her shirt and slowly brought her hands down to her sides. She had to find Chloe. She had promised to Nicole's memory that she would. Looking at the moon through a riven skyscraper, she let out a sigh. April had accepted long ago that the memory of a thing could be more important than the thing itself, and a promise between the living and the dead could be just as binding as a promise between the living. To her, life and death weren't opposites they were just two similarly unexplainable occurrences april adam's voice was quiet with a hint of kindly worry but april jumped all the same she had not expected anyone to have followed her from the underground the resistance and it was irritating to be surprised so easily adam was not a quiet man but he had managed to sneak up on her as deep in thought as she had been he was nice but he had a conviction that the shadow wolves had to be killed To April, however, it made more sense to let them go, or at least to domesticate them, but her view was quite unpopular. Not to say, of course, that she had been telling people not to kill them. She wanted to fit in, at least until she could find Chloe. "'What are you doing out here? Out now?' he continued, his voice tinged with concern as he stepped closer to her, his face streaked with moonlight when April finally turned around. He was a weathered man, weary from days of meetings and planning, weary from a lack of sleep, weary from a sense of duty. It was relatively common knowledge among the underground that Adam didn't get as much sleep as he should, but April didn't know how to help him. Not to mention that wasn't even her responsibility. Charlie seemed to head that department. The two of them had an interesting relationship, to say the least. Adam and Charlie seemed the sort of people who would have some romantic relationship, yet April had seen nothing of the sort. Indeed, though, they spent a good amount of time together. Neither looked at each other in any romantic way that April had seen. Sure, of course two people could be just friends, but they would have made a perfect couple. April responded without hesitation, just out for a moonlit stroll. Adam nodded. Me too. He said simply, gazing out at the torn city before releasing a deep and long sigh. As if suddenly aware of the cold, he put his hands in his pockets. Adam had had a life in this city. It must tear him up to see so many familiar places destroyed, and so many of his friends just gone. April had come into the city a few times, but she hadn't known it as her home. She had little to no memories of the place. She didn't see the ghosts of the past here. April took a moment before responding. The majesty of the night was that there was never any haste. It was calm. It was simple. She looked to the sky. Nicole had once consoled her that the dead were among the stars, but the ash still blotted them out. The moon was barely bright enough to be visible, but the millions of tiny specks in space were still invisible. Hopefully Jason was among them, and Nicole, and April's mother. So many were dead. After a time, Adam spoke again. Mind if I sit down? April nodded quietly, and Adam came around to join her on the heap of broken cement. It was not comfortable, and it was certainly not warm. But it was a seat. Adam shifted until he found a tolerable position. She had a hard time keeping calm now, knowing that he wanted to murder an entire living species. It just wasn't right. But how could she make him see the error of his thoughts? Out of the blue, Adam asked with a hollow voice, Who is she to you? "'Huh?' April asked, confused who Adam could be talking about. "'He swallowed. "'When we met, you asked if I knew a Chloe.' "'April nodded slowly. "'The question April had asked was who Chloe was to Adam. "'Though she wanted to answer that question, "'she eyed him and then turned his question back on him. "'Who is she to you?' "'As she waited for Adam's explanation, "'she tried to think of a way to explain herself "'without demanding unnecessary pity.' but he remained silent, shaking his head a bit. So, not wanting the ashen night to suck away the conversation, she posed another question. Is the underground really going to start hunting down shadow wolves? Adam's face was dark, and not just from a lack of light. The lines of his face grew harder as his lips pursed. He nodded slowly. I think that we must. We need to regain a foothold on the surface and they attack us on sight. We have to make the streets safe again. April sighed again. She felt like she was doing a lot of that since joining this group. Adam remained silent. She waited just long enough for the tendrils of her breath to disappear before responding. I didn't know her, but I knew her sister, Nicole. The vividness of watching Nicole get sucked into the pit threatened to make April cry, but she battered that down. There was little sense in crying. She just had to keep moving. We were, Adam said before pausing to rethink how he would begin. We met my junior year of high school. God, 12 years ago now. His voice was oddly emotionless. We went steady for a couple years, but time and distance eventually tore us apart. I really thought that I loved her, and I think she thought the same. But, well, stupid kids say stupid things to each other. I haven't thought about her in a long time. They sat in silence for a moment while April searched for a response. 10 years. That was how long Jason had been dead. Adam shifted on the rumble again before standing. I'm going to walk around for a while. I won't tell you not to, but if you do the same, please be careful. You're a light to the resistance. It was oddly affectionate, but not in a flirtatious way, in the way an older brother might talk to a younger sister. I'll walk with you if you don't mind. She found herself offering. Adam nodded, and the two of them walked off into the chill evening, silently passing abandoned apartments and broken storefronts. April wondered, not for the first time, where all the bodies were. What made you so eager to join the underground, if I may ask? Adam asked April, looking at her sideways as they moved through the still, cold night air. April swallowed. I'm looking for Chloe. That's my one drive right now. She paused for a moment. I don't know her, and I don't know that she's alive, but I made a promise to myself that I would find her somehow. But how do you know who she is? Adam asked. I was told by her sister to find her. She admitted quietly, but not forcibly. In truth, it was refreshing to not harbor that secret from Adam. Do you ever wonder where she is? April asked, intent on finding out as much about her as she possibly could. Sometimes, Adam answered a little too quickly. "'Less and less. I'm not sure I'll ever know where she is.' "'Suddenly an idea struck April. "'What if there was a way to send a message to the city? "'To announce that we exist?' "'Before April was allowed to make a point for it, however, "'Adam shot it down. "'There's far too many raiders. "'We announce where we are, and they'll come take it all from us. "'Everything we stockpiled.' "'Adam's concern as a leader was admirable, "'but April thought she could make a solid case.' You said it yourself, there's safety in numbers. Besides, when was the last time anyone met a raider? They're all just trying to survive like us. Everyone's looking for someone. Think how happy you were to reunite with Penny. Adam was nodding now. But how would we even go about doing it? He asked. All April could do was shrug. Maybe Corellia or Dane would know what needs to be done? They both seemed to know about that sort of stuff. Adam nodded and began tapping the tune of some long-forgotten song with his hand on his leg. The pair fell into silence, save for the finger drums on the denim on Adam's left leg. After walking a fair distance, Adam stopped in front of a building. It stood, almost completely spared of the surrounding destruction. The only part in disrepair was the lettering on the face. It had once said something along the lines of New York Police Department, 22nd Precinct. Now only a few of the Helvetica letters remained, picked from the surface of the bricks. April continued walking, however, not noticing Adam's hesitation. It wasn't until she heard him fairly distantly that she, too, came to a halt, turning to face him as he spoke. Corelli is right. We can take and defend this place. If we move at dawn, we can have rudimentary barricades up by early evening. Tomorrow, April asked the guest. He was staring at the building as if it glistened. April closed some of the distance between them in the pause that permeated the air prior to Adam's honest reply. Soon. Not tomorrow, but we must begin to actually resist soon. He looked at her sideways before adding, "'We can't just hide anymore. We need to rally around a cause.' April remained silent, unsure how Adam would react to a lack of desire to kill. He then looked back to the building. We can take and defend this place, he repeated more quietly this time, as if trying to convince himself. April furrowed her brow at Adam for a moment. Why do you do this? He looked at her startled and confused, so she clarified. I mean, why do you lead these bumps on logs? You don't even sound like you want to. He exhaled a long breath and was silent for a minute. Someone has to keep humanity together. April remained silent, hoping for Adam to explain more. He did. No, I suppose I never thought of myself as a post-apocalyptic leader. I have less experience with combat. I don't have enough knowledge to always make the best decision. I don't even have the drive to be a leader in the first place. Then why do it? April prodded again. When Adam responded, he had a warm passion in his voice because there are certain few things that I do know. I know people pretty well. I know that those people who sit around at the resistance will very soon be ready to take on responsibilities of their own. I know that just because someone hasn't been helpful to you doesn't mean that you shouldn't help them. I know that if we don't try to hold on to what little humanity we have left, we've lost this war. He paused for a moment and then said more quietly, I know that they need help and that I must do whatever I can to provide that help. Some certainly will turn out to have few skills useful to most of our causes. Some will certainly leech the resources. But if only one in every ten turns out to have potential to come out of their shock and pitch in, it's worth offering salvation to all of them. Amika seems to be just about ready to take action, and Anson and Harold are already helping out. April recognized none of those names, but nodded anyways. She wasn't certain why Adam had explained himself to her. There was something that he was keeping back. April was about to ask more questions, but then a thin and quiet howl pierced the otherwise still night air from not too far off. April turned to face the creature, watching Adam reach for his pistol as he wheeled around as well. The creature was sleek, partly obscured by a building. Adam took aim but did not fire. The creature was beautiful. Its powerful legs and muscular build were stunning, especially with its gleaming lavender eyes. It sat there, lamenting the moon alone. April had to prevent its death. Then a second howl from the left, followed by a third from the right. These were a little more full. April glanced around and saw that the three wolves were closing in on them. Adam took aim at the one closest, closing in from their left, and rapidly fired three shots. Two of them must have missed, but the third grazed the creature's bicep. Stay with me, he barked to April, as he took several steps to finish closing the distance between them. April barely heard, though, as a sudden thought filled her mind. A thought that was not hers, a thought that seemed to come from one of the wolves. It was primal. It demanded action. Survive, brother? That was followed by a second... voice? Flank. Overwhelm. Feast. Then a sudden feeling of agreement washed over her. The wolves on their sides both leaped towards them, Adam and April narrowly stepping out of the way in time. They were now separated by the wolves, one of each turning to them. Adam hesitated shooting, likely because April stood behind the wolf hunting him. The packmaster began to close in on April. She looked at the creature that had leaped at her in the eyes. The wolf circled towards her. She couldn't pay attention to Adam any longer. He was out of her vision. She backed up instinctively. There was a distinct difference between respecting these creatures and being okay with them hunting you. She felt denial strongly. That was her emotion. The wolf slowed to a stop. "'cocking their heads slightly. there was a feeling of question, "'but that wasn't hers. "'She stayed firm in her denial. "'Then, the feeling of loss and starvation. "'Strange. "'It was almost as if... "'Well, it was almost as if "'she was somehow sharing emotions "'with these shadow wolves. "'Suddenly the wolves looked at each other. "'A gunshot rang out in the night "'and a yowl of a wolf "'as it began to fall to the ground. "'Before it hit the ground, however, "'it simply vanished.' April felt a sudden sense of loss, as if something she hadn't realized was there was now gone. The two remaining wolves bolted in different directions. April heaved a sigh as they ran into the night. Adam, however, fired at the remaining wolf who wasn't the packmaster. The shot hit true, and that wolf vanished into a collapsing pile of purple smoke too. That was how these shadow wolves liked to die. Her head hurt, but she still rounded on Adam. You didn't have to kill them, especially the one who was running away. Adam looked surprised for a moment, and then hurt. Then his expression turned dark and stern. They kill, Adam said, the warm compassion completely gone from his voice. It's all they do. They hunt us down, April, and then they eat us. If we don't kill them, they bring greater numbers and kill us instead. He sounded confident in his words and actions. April glared. They might think the same as us. Besides, hasn't there been enough death for you? Adam looked slightly confused. April, they're invaders. I don't know where they came from, but they don't belong. We need to kill them all. April sighed. Adam wasn't going to be convinced. Perhaps this wasn't the group to survive with, if they were going to kill animals. But then, it was the best place to find Chloe. She sighed again and shook her head. Adam changed the subject. Others would have heard those howls. "'We'd best return to the underground. "'The days ahead will be taxing enough on our resources "'without waiting around for additional fights.' "'April knew on some level that he was right, "'though he doubted that the Packmaster "'would bring anyone back tonight. "'She wasn't certain exactly how she had recognized the Packmaster, "'yet that was far from the most confusing moment of the fight. "'They began to silently walk back to the underground, "'now called the Resistance. "'She had very little to respond with, "'and besides,' She was trying to recall what Corellia had said about powers. It seemed that perhaps April did have a power after all. She could communicate with the Shadow Wolves. Who could she talk to about this, if anyone? Corellia would just press her into service to a cause she wanted no part in, and Adam would not understand. Not for the first time she wished for Nicole to be there. She missed her nanny, but moreover she missed her best friend. Best not to dwell on that too long. She was tired and had to think out her next steps. Before long, they were back at the resistance. Good night, Adam said plainly before entering his room. April didn't respond, and said going straight to her cot. This time sleep did come easily, and without dreams. For this she was grateful. She certainly needed the rest.
0: Hey everybody, this is Craig, the writer of Riddle Deeve. Please stick around after these credits for a special announcement from us. First of all, I'd like to thank all of you for listening to the first season of Riddle Our talent has been hard at work to produce this, and the audience that we have had so far has been really rewarding. Riddle Deeve, of course, would not be possible without a lot of talented people behind the scenes making it happen. First, of course, we have our amazing cast, Jordan Fitzgerald as April Quasar, Lewis Cruz as Turner Cross, John Wazaleski as Adam Terry, Cassie Stipes as Charlie Faraday, Craig Vilbig as Elliot Montlianger, and Garrett Peterson as Gerard Seffison. Behind the scenes, we have our tireless crew that makes me look good, producers Lewis Cruz and Craig Vilbig, yes, that's me, art director Garrett Peterson, and copy editor Hannah Soltis. 2019 was obviously an important year for us. We launched the podcast in March and have had almost a thousand listeners across the first 12 episodes. Yes, we took a couple of hiatuses, and we're going to do that again now, But don't worry, we have over 50 more episodes written and waiting to be recorded and a lot more beyond that outlined. We're really just getting off of the ground and we've never done this before. We sincerely appreciate those of you who have stuck with us this far. We will be back. We have a lot more of this story to tell. But this is also a project on top of our regular day jobs and other projects. So far we've been doing this all out of pocket, which has its limitations. Keeping a podcast online costs money. It takes money to host a website, host a podcast, and keep all of the writing organized. We're hoping that 2020 will bring a few small sponsorships as we continue to grow out our Patreon as well. Any amount that you can pledge to us will be put directly back into the podcast, We have no intentions of quitting our day jobs to do this full-time, but we do hope to eventually have some more staff for this project. It takes a lot of time for us to prepare each episode for you, and if we could spread that out across more people, we could get more episodes to you faster. And that might help to explain this hiatus that we're entering again. Hopefully, we can use some of this time to record and stockpile some content. As I said before, the second season is fully written and mapped out, but we do need your support to make it a reality. So please check out our Patreon, we've got some great tiers over there. If you want to advertise with us, please get in contact with us at info at riddledeve.com. If you can not afford to do that or don't want to, please don't forget to check us out on Instagram and Facebook to be the first to hear about our second season release date. As always, this podcast is protected under Creative Commons 2019 CC BY NCSA license. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to catch you soon with a season two.